Welcome to Lift City Church Podcast, where we lift people into their next level relationship with Christ. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we're believing God that this message lifts you to another level. So we've been in the Better Me series. Anybody interested in being better? Now, let me, let me put this disclosure disclaimer out. You know, if you're not interested in being better, you might as well just go on and see Jesus, right? Because even the scripture says that God takes us from glory to glory to glory. So all of us, I think, have this desire to be better. I don't think in my lifetime I've met a single person that did not have a desire to become better. And what I mean by that is because I think that we've all come across people that we question. I don't know if they want anything better for their life. You know what I mean? But after having conversations with people, I do not believe that I have come across a single person that did not desire to have better in life. Now, sometimes that's masked with trauma, with pain, with experiences, but I do not believe that I've authentically come across a single person that did not want better in life. And I want you to understand today that you desiring, my desiring of better in life, it comes from God. God wants you to have, you're created in his image. God wants you to have better. And so we've been talking about a lot of times we will desire better, we will want better, but we really don't know how to get to better because we don't believe that God wants us to have better. And that line of thinking, that thought pattern oftentimes comes from our circle, our influences, the way that we've been brought up. Oftentimes it's hard for us to believe that God wants better for us. Now, when we talk about or look at this world today, wouldn't you say that God wanting better for you is clouded by all the trauma and mess that's going on in the world? It's kind of hard to believe, so you gotta make sure that you get enough word in you where you understand that despite what I see, the Bible says we don't walk by what we see, right? We walk by what the word of God says. So I have to train myself that despite what I see, God wants the best for me. Oh, that, w- that was, that was a, that was, yeah, yeah. A wicked, wicked, wicked. Yeah, I had me a little bar right there. So despite, this is, it's amazing the things that have come out of you when you're under the anointing. I mean, I just need, who going, where JT? You could have dropped the beat. Where the, where the drum? I could, y'all just leaving me hanging? Y'all could have dropped the beat or something. So despite what we see, The bottom line is we have to really focus in on knowing and understanding that God wants better for us. Last week I made this statement. I asked us, did we understand that perspective-wise there are three versions of ourselves? There's three versions of me and there's three versions of you. We got three versions of ourselves, whether we like it or not, whether we want to believe it or not, whether we agree with said versions or not. We all have three versions of ourselves. The first one is who we think we are. We all have this image about who we think we are, how we define ourselves. The second one is who people think we are. And how many of you know there are times in life when who we think we are and who the people think we are? They ain't jiving. It don't line up. Because... As human beings in our humanity, 
we have this ability to tell ourselves that we are not something we are we are and are not things that we know we are and are not <laughs> as human beings we have this uncanny ability i can tell myself what i want about myself and know it's not true No, it's not true. I'm still talking about being better because before we get to being better, we got to identify where we are. It's like that little map in the mall, the little dig they digital now, the little digital map, and they say, press the button, you are here. This is a you are here moment. <laughs> and then they say, you are here. Why? Because you got to position yourself from where you are so that you can define where you're going. There is no pathway to better until we understand, I got three versions of me. And I need to identify these versions. The version of me that, who I think I am, who other people perceive me to be, and then there's the final version, who I really am. And none of us like critical, constructive uh, criticism. Now, there's criticism and then there's constructive criticism, right? Constructive criticism has an end goal. The end goal is to improve and help you to become better. That's what constructive criticism is. Criticism is just to tear somebody down. So I always say this, I say confrontation is for reconciliation. If you need to confront something, the goal of the confrontation is to reconcile whatever the issue is. But we use confrontation to tell people off so I could feel good about how, what I told you. And so what we want in confrontation, what we want in this moment is a solution, right? We want to get to the bottom of who am I really? And oftentimes that only comes with you being honest with yourself and number one, sitting before God and say, God, reveal myself to me. Because God will, because in his love for us, he will tell us the truth about ourselves. I remember a moment that I had, and um, I was thinking about, I, I think somebody had upset me or something, right? Someone had upset me. And I um, went to God to pray about, or I tell God, this is a long time ago, everybody say long time ago. I have worked on myself since. It's a long time ago. So... I went to God to talk to him about something someone had said or done to me. And it was not pure where the Bible says that we ought to pray for those that, you know, hurt us and all that. that it wasn't that kind of prayer. Because when God says pray for those that have harmed you, offended you, done, done something to you, he means pray for their heart. He means have a genuine affection, affinity for them. He don't mean like God. I'm going to need you to take care of. Because they did da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And God was just, I was just going, I was just talking to God. Everybody say she was talking to God. I was just talking to God. And as soon as I got quiet, and it taught me a lesson that God is always speaking, but we're not always listening. As soon as I got quiet, God said to me, okay, that is what you think about them, but here's what I need you to know about you. <laughs> and he started telling me all the areas that I needed to pray about and correct my own self. 
And the thing that I learned about God is that he ain't going to never listen to you talking about somebody else without him first talking to you about you. So it's a locating moment where we're asking God, show me me. Because unless I know who I really am, then I can't move from that point. And we all want better, right? So I got to know who I am and where I am right now. I got to be honest with myself so that I can get to the pathway of better. The, in the modern day times, the, you know, therapists say nowadays, than that, you must do your work. We all have to do our work. And guess what? Nobody can do the work for us. This is why I always say there is no reason for anybody to be frustrated about somebody else's behavior. Did you hear what I said? There is no reason. You have to know how to separate yourself from the misbehaviors or the disappointments or the reactions or responses of other people because you cannot make people go where they are not ready to go. As soon as you relieve, notice, we only get frustrated because I want you to do something that I need you to do. But when I realize that I can, I only go at the pace I want to go, other people only go at the pace that they want to go. I'm helping some married people out today. Because you're trying to get JoJo to do X, Y, and Z, and JoJo ain't ready. <laughs> He's not ready. You're trying to take him somewhere he ain't ready to go. And now you're built up with frustration and anger and your house is not a home where angels can reside and feel out of place because you mad because he or she won't do what you want them to do. They not ready. You got to release yourself from the need to control what other people do or don't do. Lord, not have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. It's that thing, Jay, you might be able to help me out here. <coughs> Excuse me. It's that thing where we all have this desire. Come on, I need you, even as a pastor. I used to say stuff like, y'all going to remember this, some of y'all who've been around a while. I used to say, if I got to take you kicking and screaming, you going. Y'all know I used to say that. Y'all ain't going to wear me out. Because it's a whole, Mr. Ben, it's a lot of energy going to dragging somebody kicking and screaming. And then I drag you there and you don't want to be there. I stay where you at. Stay where you are. Because I've come to the realization in my maturity in this pastoring thing, I've come to the realization I can't make nobody go faster than they want to go. I'm going to wear myself out. Then I'm no good for the ones who are ready to be there. Because guess what? At the end of the day, it's your life. I'm not going home with you. So y'all don't even have to be concerned about that. No, I ain't taking nobody kicking and screaming. <laughs> going to wear myself out and it'll be no good for future generations and for the people who want to be where they are. Amen? And so you got to be willing to go. And everybody has, at different stages of their lives, we all have different points where we're willing. Like when I was called to ministry, I knew before I actually, now of course there's, a, there's preparation and there's time and then there's sending. That's the right way to do it. But even after I knew that I was prepared, my pastor was, was on board, that he was sending me out, 
I was still wrestling with God. God, you sure? And God is responding to me like, I've always been sure. You, you questioning me? I'm the one giving the assignment, right? But if we all go through these phases at different times in life where we got to decide where we're going to jump in or out. This is the same process when you first come to God or when you come back to church or you say, I'm going to be committed to God, I'm going to be committed to church, and you do it for three weeks and then you're out. You just weren't ready. And that same process is going to cycle until you get ready. Amen? So we got to stop and we got to be honest about who I really am and where I really am. So there are three perspectives to how we see ourselves. But did you also know that there are three perspectives or three parts is a better word of how God created you. God designed you as a what we call a tripartite being. You have three parts. Let's look at it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And then today's reading, I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation of the Bible because I like the way it reads. Y'all got the passion up there, right? Yeah. Okay, awesome. So look at what it says. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I said that you're a tripartite being. That means that God created you with three parts, and we're going somewhere with this. He says, now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart. Anybody, anybody want to be set apart? Okay. And making you completely holy. How holy? So the God of peace sets us apart and makes us completely holy. Now, that tells you in and of itself there's really nothing you can do to become holy because God makes you holy. Your response in your behavior, your attire, how you talk, how you walk, your response is to the holiness that he's already made you. Okay, I feel like that went over y'all head. Because a lot of times we try to practice rituals, like go to church two times a week, or you know, make even sometimes in giving and tithing and giving and all those type of things, we try to do things to make us holy. But the scripture says God makes us holy. The way we live in our obedience to God is our response to him making my, in other words, I'm taking my flesh and I'm lining it up to the holiness he's already created me to be because I'm a tripartite being. He says, I pray making you completely holy and may your entire being, this is the part I wanted to get to. Your entire being, your spirit, everybody say spirit. spirit. Your soul, everybody say soul. And body. Your entire being. So I have three parts to the way that God has designed me according to this word. I have a spirit. That is my heart or the person that you cannot see. You ever been in a, in a room with someone who passed away? They say they've expired. What do you mean they've expired? They mean their spirit have left their body because their body is still there. So I am a spirit. The essence of who I am, who God created me to be, is a spirit. We also find that Genesis 1.26 where the Bible says that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and then he breathed into him the breath of life. Until God gave man his spirit, man was still on the ground. That, that's a sermon right there. Until God gave man his breath, man remained on the ground. So he says, your spirit, that's who, the essence of who you are, your soul, I've taught this before, your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, and your intellect. So he's saying here, I am praying that your entire being, your spirit, 
your soul, a.k.a. your mind, your will, your intellect, and your body, this part of us that we see, be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So he deals with the tripartite being. He says, I'm praying that all of you, not just your spirit man, but all of you, your mind, your will, your intellect, your soul, that's what we call your soul, your emotions, and your body. I'm praying that all of it be completely flawless. Why? Because you're created in three parts. And you got to understand this, that God doesn't want you to be saved spiritually and your spirit man saved, but your mind, your will, and your emotions out of control. Your body out of control. He says, be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So God is saying to us, I want all of you to be completely blameless. Not just the fact that you're born again. I need all of who you are to be completely, uh, completely blameless in my eyes. And so what we have here is there is this like this conundrum that exists. Because when you're born again, your spirit man is immediately saved. The scripture says that your spirit man is taken and it is baptized into the body of Christ. But guess what? Your mind still carnal. Your body is still fleshly. So there's this conundrum that exists, and I want to show you this video because this video explains it so well, what I'm talking about. Roll that video for me, media department. I got a soul tie. I'm the soul. I'm comprised of the thoughts, emotions, and the will. Just let yourself. I'm spirit, and I'm connected to the source. The big G-O-D provides liberty in the soul. I'm the body. The host to do the most. And I betray you most of the time. I did some stuff with this guy's body and I love him. Loved him. I loved on him. And it just, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for me. This used to be our song. What she don't know is the song is influencing me. My will is so weak to him. And my emotions is all over the place. Oh, get low. I ain't heard from spirit in a minute, and I've been thinking about going on the fast, but that will hurt me, and I'm already hungry, so I think I got this. She don't got this. I'm talking all the time, but she's not listening, so. Get low, get low. Get low, get low. Get low, get low. I could have explained that any better. So here's the conundrum and the conflict that exists. She was really demonstrating the three parts of who we are, how the spirit man is always there in the background talking, but if we don't feed our spirit the right stuff, the soul and the body gets out of control. I couldn't have given you a better picture. I was like, this girl is genius. Not a better picture because there are three parts to you that exist and the spirit man is all good. And so today I'm going to be talking with you for the next few moments on the topic, let your soul glow. <laughs> Y'all remember from coming to America, let your soul glow.
I want you to do. I want y'all. Are y'all playing Let Your Soul Go? <laughs> they can't hear it. Are y'all playing that? I don't know. They, somebody heard it. They playing Let Your Soul Go. You got to let your soul glow. Because your spirit man is good. Your spirit man is found in God. Your spirit man, contrary to the way that most of us think, Pastor Terry, your spirit man don't need no work. Uh-oh. I knew I was going to get y'all with that. The spirit man does not need work. In other words, if you think your spirit man need work, then what you're saying is when God saved you, he did an incomplete job. Your spirit man does not need to be worked, but somehow we focus and we think that we need our spirit man worked on. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is the uh, Passion Translation. He says, now if anyone is enfolded or engrafted or in Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. As a child of God, you are a tripartite being. You have a spirit, you, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Your spirit, man, is good. It doesn't need any more work. God made you whole. That's what the word salvation means. Nothing missing, nothing lacking in your spirit. But that soul needs some work. That's why the scripture says work out your own soul salvation. You never said work out your spirit salvation. Y'all see how we mix all this stuff together? Am I helping somebody today? Your spirit man don't need no more saving. Your spirit man don't need healing. Your spirit had to be born again. Your soul, mind, will, and intellect may need some healing. Your body may need some healing. It may need some deliverance, but your spirit is good. That's why every time your soul and your body act up, your spirit lets you know. It'll give you a check like something is off, something is off. You saw that chick when she was dying. She said, ooh, ooh. it was the spirit man said, girl, get yourself together. Because the spirit man, he's good. Just going to let you know. He says he's a new person. All that is related to the older order has vanished. <laughs> Y'all don't know when to shout. All that is related to who you were pre-Christ as a spirit man, it is gone. The Bible says you were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, all of us, but when you got Jesus, it got transferred because the Bible says as he is, so are we in this world. Your spirit man is good. Don't need to be saved. Stop focusing and trying to work on your spirit. I'm going to talk to you about this in a little bit. You don't need to try to save your spirit anymore. You got to feed your spirit man. And there is a difference. There is a difference. So at the point of salvation, the only part of you, the single part of you that immediately changes is your spirit man. And that's why when you have a true encounter with God, you can't go on thinking and doing life and doing the things you used to do without being bothered. It bothers you. Anybody remember that? When you first got saved, you're like, ooh. You know, I, I, I used to do this. This bothers me. Because it's your spirit man saying, this is not who you are. The spirit man is helping you to locate where you are. It's like the digital map in the mall. He's saying, this is where you are. Where you used to be, you are now here. Spirit man don't need no help. 
because it's the core of who you are. Over there in 1 John 4, 17, how do I know that? I just quoted it. 1 John 4, 17, look at what he says in the Passion. This is the latter part of the Passion Version. He says, all that Jesus, all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. You better let that sink in. Because that thought will empower you. The Bible says, as he is, present tense, so are we, present tense, as he is, present tense. As he is, present tense, so are we, present tense. So are we, what tense is our, present. So are we in this world. So exactly as Christ is in heaven, so am I in this world. And that'll help you to walk differently. That'll help you to talk differently. That'll help you to see differently. Because as God is, God has made me. The Bible says we're hidden in him. I am Christ is I am Christ's representative in this world. So spiritually speaking, everything that Jesus is, you and I are in this world. At the point of conversion, everything that Jesus is, I become. Now that will mess your religious mind up. Because what people have done is they have put Jesus on a pedestal, which he should be on a pedestal because he's our Lord and Savior. But they put him on a pedestal to the degree that he is untouchable, and that is not what God intended for our relationship for him to be. It's not what the word says. He's not untouchable. As a matter of fact, his word says he's been touched with every infirmity that you and I could possibly be touched with. So he's not on a pedestal to be untouchable. He's on a pedestal, a pedestal. I don't know why I want to say pedestal. He's not on a pedestal to be untouchable. He's on that pedestal so that he can be an example. Something to look to. So that we can now line up the, as he is, so are we in this world. I can become the look like him in the world. That's how I become better. I start lining my soul my mind, my will, my intellect up with who he is, and it causes me to become better. So we are the same as Christ spiritually, but we are also the same as the world soulishly. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. We are, here's the conundrum, we are the same as Christ spiritually, but yet because we live in this temporary carnal body, we are the same as the world soulishly. And this is why Paul was talking about like he has this war in his body, right? So physically, we are stuck in the world. We're surrounded in the culture. Our minds are surrounded with what goes on in the world. So spiritually, we're like Christ, but soulishly and spiritually, I mean, spirit, soulishly and in our mind and our will and our intellect, soulishly and physically, we are like the world. And you got to decide on which one going to win the battle. That's why the Bible says you cannot, you cannot at all serve two masters. You got to decide which one you're going to yield your flesh to. So there's this conflict. Y'all see the conflict? There's a conflict that arises between your spirit, your soul, and your flesh. Because spirit man is here, soul and flesh is here, and we got to bring them together. And that's the goal of becoming better. So over here in Romans chapter 7, I got to read all of this so you can see it. Verse 15, I'm starting at verse 15. 
this is how the apostle described it. He said, this whole thing, that, that video you just saw, this whole conundrum between spirit, soul, and body, this is how he described it. He says, I am a mystery to myself. For I want to do what is right, but end up doing what my moral instincts condemn. Y'all feel the conundrum? Y'all feel the conflict? Go on. And then he says, he says, and if my behavior is not in line with my desire, my conscience still confirms the excellence of the law. And now I realize that it is no longer my true self doing it. Hold up, hold up. Now I realize in this conflict that exists in my body, now I realize that it is no longer my true self doing it. What you mean, Paul, your true self? His true self is his, a.k.a. spirit. Your true self, he said, it's not my true self doing it because he's no longer identified with the world. He's identified with Christ. He says, so when I have this problem, it is no longer my true self doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. You got to get understanding of who you are and how this works and why there's this conflict. Somebody said it this way. Every time I try to do right, it seems like evil is on every hand. That's the conflict he's talking about. He said there's this unwelcome. My true self wants to do what's right. My true self, my spirit knows how to do what's right. He said, but in my humanity, there's this unwelcome intruder called sin. Now watch this. Watch this. He's not talking about the sin nature because as a child of God, you no longer have a sin nature. This is why as a child of God, you cannot sin and act like nothing is wrong. You have conviction. Because your true self is in line with God. Verse 18, he says, For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. Notice he, dis he distinguishes and he talks about his true self and then he identifies the flesh. You got to read the Bible. For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. The law is right or within me. Can I get a witness? I want to do right. He says it's within me. But the willpower, that soul, here comes the soul. He says, but the willpower is not enough to accomplish it. Because when you are not dealing with your soul, it will never be. When you are not feeding your flesh, your willpower will always win. Feeding your flesh, feeding your spirit. Did I say feeding your flesh? When you're not feeding your spirit. This is why I said you got to feed your spirit. Verse 19, he says, my lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the things I want to avoid. Does anybody see themselves in this passage? So if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, then I must conclude that it's not my true identity doing it. Verse 20, let's read that again. If so if my behavior, where's your behavior found? In your soul, spirit, or flesh? In your soul and your flesh, right? Because your soul dictates your flesh, right? Soul is the mind, will, intellect, it dictates your flesh. So he says, so in my if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must then conclude that it's not my true identity doing it. In other words, he's drawing a distinction here. He said, you got to know that when you mess up, it's not who you really are doing it. It's that soul that needs some work. 
But the unwelcome intruder of sin, here comes the intruder again, hindering me from being who I really am. Y'all going to make me shout all by myself. Because you are a spirit. There's this flesh and this soul that's trying to hinder you from walking, talking, and looking exactly like so he is, so, so is he, so he, so are we as he is, so are we in this world. Then he goes, verse 21. Through my experience of this principle, I discovered that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly deep within my true identity, what's the true identity? Your spirit man, true, deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. Can I get a witness? I love to do what pleases God. But I discern or I recognize there's another power operating in my humanity. And this power is waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin. This unwelcome intruder in my humanity. He keeps repeating and saying this, he said, because it's not the spirit that's the problem, it's the unwelcome intruder called sin that deals or dwells in our humanity, in our behaviors, in our actions, in our flesh, because your flesh and your mind is not saved. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you got to renew your mind. How often? Every day. You ever notice how when you don't read your Bible, you always aggravated at everybody? You ain't been praying. Everybody get on your nerve. Everything get on your nerve. You ain't nothing happened about nothing. Why? Because that soul, that mind, it got to be renewed every day. Verse 24, we're almost done. He says, what an agonizing situation I am in. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? So Paul explains all of this, and then he asks this rhetorical question that he's about to give us the answer to. He says, so, so, so who got the power to help us with this? Because this is a mess. Verse 25, he says, I give all things <laughs> to God. Even though all of this exists, he says, I'm helping you to identify what's going on. But in spite of, despite of all of this that exists, this conflict between our spirit man and our soulish man, between all of this that exists, I'm going to give thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. So he said, I know it's there, but you got the power to overcome it. So if left to myself, when I, left, when I leave myself to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now my renewed mind is fixed and submitted to God's righteous principle. He's saying, you got to decide that you're going to renew your mind and that you're going to understand that your spirit man is always going to do it right, but you got an unwelcome intruder in the flesh that's always going to try to throw you off course. And you got to understand the difference between the two because what we do is we get it confused. So if I want to become better in life, if you want to become better in life, what we got to do is we got to feed our spirit and starve our soul. And what we've been doing is feeding the soul and starving the spirit. 
what you mean, Pastor Tracy? We don't pray like we ought to pray. We don't fast anymore. We don't practice the basic principles of Christianity. Tithing, giving, unconditional love, patience. Uh, Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Come on, y'all. Come on, Bible students. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, temperance. Uh-huh. That means having some self-control. Long-suffering. I'm tired of them. Long-suffering. So we got to feed our spirit but starve the flesh. We got to stop feeding our, because we live in a generation right now, it's all about me. I need to take care of myself. I need self-care. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe that people need to, you need to relax. I just told you to go on vacation. But I'm talking about when your mentality is that it's all about you and your desires and you dismiss God and his order for what you want. I'm not talking to the world. We, we in church. I'm talking to the church. We are feeding our soul. We want what makes us feel good in the soul. What do you think social media is? It is feeding your soul. For the most part, every now and then you might find, like, like her, somebody who's trying to help you with your spirit. But for the most part, everything we see is feeding my soul. It's, it's, it's causing an increase and in gluttony in my soul. And my soul wants to be stroked. And so now when something happens, I'm emotionally out of control because I have not starved the soul and made it discipline itself so that if somebody upsets me, I don't know how to count to 10 before I react. If somebody upsets me, I don't know how to deal with it the next day. If somebody upset me, I'm going to send you an email now. I'm walking to your office now because your emotions are out of control because you have, you have fed them the fact that you can say whatever you want whenever you want. I'm not going I'm, I'm to be holding all this in. I need to say whatever I want when I want. This stuff has subliminally kept, it kept crept in to the body of Christ. But we got to feed the spirit man because when you feed the spirit man, the spirit man is the power that lies within you. You heard how the girl say that music is, is influencing my flesh? See, we don't want to talk about that. Y'all don't want to talk about that, that girl. That, that be, I ain't going to even say the girl's name. Y'all don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Y'all don't want to talk about how what you listen to, it does influence. Because, Elder C, when we tell ourselves and we dismiss it, I could, that don't mean nothing. That, can't, uh, that doesn't bother me. That don't this, that don't that. You are, what you are literally saying is, I know more than God. He's telling us in his word. And we're going to tell ourselves, I got it. I can handle it. But yet when we need help, oh, Father, I need you. Here's the thing you need to understand. The more you feed your spirit man with worship and prayer and a, the word and consistently, consistency, the stronger your spirit man becomes. 
And the stronger your spirit man becomes, the weaker your soul becomes. The weaker your soul becomes, the less it has the ability to influence your body from acting up. So we're going to stop just feeding our soul and we're going to start starving that sucker. Starve it. Starve it. If you feel like you got the right to tell somebody off, they upset you, swallow it. I mean, you got a lump in your throat, swallow Discipline. Because the scripture says that in my weakness, his strength has been made perfect. I want to tell somebody off sometimes. I want to get my fingers to type in on social media sometime. Sometimes you got to get up and look, even to the point, this is why the Bible says if, you're, if, you're light, if your eye offends you, plug it out. He's saying don't give place to anything that's going to cause you to get off. So if your fingers get to wanting to, you know, start typing some stuff, they have no business typing and sending some emails, what you need to do is go find somebody in your house and say, tape all my fingers up. I gotta get them. I, I gotta get them to. I gotta get them to be in subject to the spirit man because I'm about to type something. I know it ain't God. Desperate times call for desperate measures. You know, like when you get serious about dieting, what you do? It don't even matter if you just bought all the groceries. When you get serious about dieting, you call somebody and you give it all away, or you throw it all away. When you serious, you don't care if you spend a thousand dollars. You're like, I'm throwing. I'm. I'm. I mean it this time. Because you're going to do whatever you got to do to gain control. Because all of us who've been on the diet, yo-yo, and the, you know all of that stuff on the seesaw, all of us have heard the chocolate cake calling at the midnight hour. The only way to deal with it is not to have the chocolate cake in the house. I'm starving my appetite. Do you really understand that that is what losing weight is? You are starving your appetite and making it come to subjection to say that you will eat what I tell you to eat, when I tell you to eat, how much I tell you to eat, and as often as I tell you to eat. You're telling your appetite, I am in control. And guess what? We all can do it, right? So spiritually, when you don't feed yourself well, you become weak and susceptible to your flesh. And again, the Bible says, in our flesh dwells no good thing. So what's the call to action today? The call to action is this. You got to shift your perspective. Stop seeking internally to try to always please God and do things in a way where you think that you got to get your spirit man right, your spirit man right. Because this is where we get it confused. Your spirit man is right. Our focus is on, I got to make sure I am, quote, unquote, doing right so I could get to heaven. Your, your spirit man, he, he already right. He good. What he needs you to do is shift your focus to working on your flesh and your soul. Because... We're going to come to church for years and years and years, and we still got bad behavior. I've been in church five years, ten years, and when somebody make me mad, I'm still cursing them out. That's not a spirit problem. That's a soul problem. Every time my, my wife upset me, 
I get in the car, I slam the door, I walk out, and I leave. Dang, that's not a spirit problem. I'm saved. Deacon, Ursha on the Ursha board. Deacon on the deacon's bench. And every time I, my wife and I have a disagreement and I get upset, then what I do is walk out the house and leave and don't give her no information about where I'm going or what I'm doing because I'm mad because I'm going to make her pay. That ain't, a soul, that ain't a spirit of problem. That's a soul problem. Your soul is out of control. You need anger management. Your soul out of control. Every time somebody says something that I don't like, my reaction is vile. My reaction tears people down. I go up with you one way and down you the other way. Every time I get upset, that's what I do. That ain't, that's not a spirit problem because your spirit man not doing that. That's your mouth, your soul. So if we want to be better, we got to get our soul in check. Amen? Study, meditation, worship, consistent attendance, serving God. All of those things help you to get your soul right. Now, are y'all ready to do some soul work? Y'all receive the word today? Come on, tell yourself, say, I'm going to do my soul work. Come on, praise team. Tell yourself, say, I'm going to do my soul work. Anybody in here with me today, you're going to do your soul work? Let me tell you something. There is more in you than you are aware of. There is more in you. And I think a lot of times we feel like we, we don't have the ability or the strength to do this. You can. I'm not even the same person I was five years ago. The people stand, stand up if you've been in this church at least eight, uh, anywhere between five to ten years. Stand up. Stand up. I, I promise you, if I were to ask e either of these people, is PT still the same person? What would y'all say? I did my soul work. The pastor had... Because here's the thing. Even as a pastor, nobody arrives. And I learned that I had to do some soul work to become a better leader to, to the people. Because the people, when you're in these roles, people and their needs put pressure on you. And until you're under pressure, you really don't realize some of the ways you have. Y'all yeah. can't get me to fuss. I'm so freed. <laughs> y'all can't get me to fuss at y'all. Everybody know everything I have is like, yes. Somebody said to me the other day, how do you maintain control? I did my soul work. Because guess what? Y'all ain't going to have God upset with me. That's why Moses didn't enter the promised land. Because he got mad at God's people. Because they was cutting up and y'all be cutting up. But you got to do your soul work. Because when you do your soul work, you give God the ability to put more in your hand. And always remember, God's greatest gift is his people. And you don't have to be a pastor. I don't care what sphere of influence you're in. 
God holds all of us accountable about how we deal with people. You ever notice how Jesus dealt with people? When Peter cut that man's ear off in the garden, everybody need a G with him. Peter was God's G. You need a gangster. And notice, notice, Jesus did not really try to change Peter. He just, fi he just fixed Peter's messes. Peter got mad because they came for his boy Jesus in the garden. And Peter cut that soldier's ear off. And Jesus said, Jesus did not say, yeah, Peter. Y'all want some of us? You want to throw down? Let's do this. Let's do this. Because I'm, I'm rich. That ain't what he said. And you know why Jesus could not go there with Peter? Because he did his super work. He let his flesh be in control. Become a better version of yourself. The better you become, the more you will impact the lives of people. And the more God can put in your hand because he has confidence in the person that you are. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you. To connect and find out more about Lift City Church, text Connect Me, all one word, to 337-227-9820. Or visit us at liftcitychurch.org.